Some of you I have not met yet. Uh, my name is Matt. It's, it's great to have you here. Uh, for those of you who have been here for a while, uh, we made it to the end of the Ten Commandments. That's, that's legit work, right? So when you're planting a church, they tell you not to do things like a ten-week series in the summer on the commandments. So I feel a little bad that our church plant coach is here as we're wrapping it up. Um, but this summer, if you've been with us, this, we told you at the beginning that it would feel a little different. We told you at the beginning that this was not about these rules that confine your life, but instead that this was how God designed society to live in freedom. And this was people who were bound up in slavery. And he says, hey, as I set culture, as I finally form my people, here's the freedom that I want you to live within, Right? And so I remember some of you back in like May when we said we're doing the Ten Commandments. You were like, oh, really? Really? We're spending ten weeks on this? And like, yeah, it'll be different. And they're like, sure, it'll be different. But I think God's shown himself faithful and we've seen his word a little bit different, right? Well, we're in the last one and in very one church fashion, it is not number ten. We're going to look at number five and uh, it's, it's found in Exodus twenty. Verse 12, honor your father and mother so your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And all the parents of young children say amen. Amen. (laughs) Verse 5 is, uh, uh, commandment 5 is a favorite of, of parents, right? This one, when, when we went from one to five children in what felt like a minute, I was like, oh, I need some cross-stitching on my wall, and it needs to be this. I need another tattoo that says, honor me, please. It makes sense that the next commandment is, thou shalt not murder, because like, it feels like they, they fit together. It's just, we're, we're just being honest here, right? They, they seem to fit together. If, if, if there were, Jesus said, all the commandments are summed up in love God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? I, I feel like when you have kids, it's, yeah, well, you need to love God, but you need to honor me because I'm tired. But if we read that into Exodus 20, we're kind of missing it. Like, if you want to kind of pull out a scripture and have it mean what you want, go to, like, Colossians. That's the place to do it. In Colossians, we see Paul is speaking to kids. I think we have it, Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is the acceptable duty in the Lord. This is just letting you know. That's the one you want tattooed. If you've got little kids, this is the one. Take a picture with your phone on that one. That's the one you want your kids to live by. But the one in Exodus, if you have little kids and you still have parents, the one in Exodus is for you. And this messes with us a little bit. Because I want it to correct my children. And I want it to be able to evaluate my children, but that's not really what this is. So culturally, let's look at Exodus 20, where it says, honor your father and mother, so the days may be long in the land that your Lord, your God, is giving you. So in the culture that God is first designing, first setting up, that he's saying this to, he's saying this to a generation of adults. All the commandments are given to a generation of adults. He doesn't say the first four commandments, you know, like only have one God, don't don't have idols, all, all of these things, and then look at the kids and be like, and you, 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 
you little ones, honor your mommy and daddy. And then go back to the adults. He doesn't do that. He's talking to the adults the whole time. And you see, they're in tents at this time, and they are like those big tents, the ones that some of you guys have with like four or five bedrooms in a tent. I talked to somebody in this church who's like, I just got a four-bedroom tent. Like, man, I I think some days four-bedroom houses sound fun, but a four-bedroom tent, and that's the way families were set up. Three, four generations living in the same space, and then they had to pack up and move and follow God as he went through the wilderness and then set up the tent again. Three, four generations living together. And what this is about is, you see, they they were in slavery. And when you are in slavery, your worth, your value is what you produce. This This is what slavery is. We need to evaluate this too. If you only think you are valuable because of what you produce, then you're in slavery to something. And when they were in Egypt, the only people who had value were the ones who were producing, who were making bricks. And when you got too old to make bricks, you were of no value anymore. And sadly, what that meant is they can't spare food. They can't spare water. There are cultures and societies today, we could look at our own in some ways, but there are other ones that are just a little more plain and a little more evident that if you have certain needs or you have a certain age, we can't, we can't feed you. We can't spare the food. We can't spare the water. We can't spare the medical attention or the physical attention. And so when you're in slavery, the only people of value are the people who are producing or potentially producing. Right? That's slavery thinking. And he's saying you are free people now. I'm teaching you how to be free, so that means your grandpa and your grandma who live in your house, they have great value. They haven't formed a brick in years, but they know of my faithfulness. And you're to honor them. You see, we think this is about obedience in young children. This commandment is about neglect. And about how we are not to neglect. Uh, We've been looking at this Professor James Bruckner's words on on each each commandment. This is what he says on on this one. The fifth uh, fifth commandment protects elderly parents. You are free from a community that neglects its elders. That's what this ensures. If we're living the way that God invites us to live, then you know that as you age, you're going to be cared for. If you've spent some time with some people who are collecting some years, this is a great fear in our culture, that I will be neglected, that I will be forgotten. We hear this if we listen for just a short while. I don't know if they'll call when, they don't, when I don't have anything to offer. I don't know if my money will last, and if my money doesn't last, do I last? There's there's a lot of this going on here. And so let's unpack it even a little more. We're to honor our father and our mother. In the times that this was written, a lot of cultures had a rule about elder care, but it was always honor your father. And sadly, your mother was a, a bit like property. Again, there are cultures like this today. But from from the very beginning of setting up 
God's society, he says that male and female are made in his image, both image bearers. And so honor the mother and honor the father. But what is honor? Well, this Hebrew word honor is honor as we think of, but it, it carries weight. Like there's physical weight attached to this word honor. And I, I, it shouldn't be burden weight. It should be like when you say there's weight when that person speaks. You know that person in your life? When they say something, their words carry weight. That is honor. Whether you're doing it intentionally or unintentionally, you're honoring that person's opinion. And so that feeling that they carry weight is what we're to feel towards the elders in our life, towards our our fathers and our mothers. Now let me speak to fathers and mothers who whose children are grown for a second. That's weight that your words are given. Your words are to properly be given that, and they aren't always. But that's also a responsibility God has entrusted you with. Your words either speak life or death. They either bring healing or decay. Your presence and your approval and your care carries weight. And so I encourage you, be intentional about that. Be intentional about the way that you utilize this authority that God has given you. And I would say our culture is horrible about giving that authority. But even if our culture doesn't, God has given that authority. And you're given a weight. You're given an honor in God's eyes. So utilize that well. Be salt and light in those days. So what does honor actually look like? So I, uh, it just worked out this way, but I, I was in Detroit last weekend and then I went over and visited my mom, uh, who is my mother. That's how it works. And I was thinking about this. I didn't go for like field research or anything, but I was thinking about this, this message the whole week because I like to work. And I, I'm like, okay, how do I honor my mom this week? And I think I'm an okay son. But it's hard. It's hard because I like to be selfish. My mom moves slower than me. And I know she'll probably listen to this. It's true, mom. (laughs) She moves slower. I want to move faster. She does a few less things in a day than I usually do. And she's not old. She just, she she lives at a speed that you can like smoke meat to. And I'm more like microwave, you know? And that's like, so when I'm honoring my mom, I go her speed. And she's not slow, but I notice right away, oh, I need, I need to listen more. In, in her concerns and in, in the things that she's saying, she's voicing the spots where she's afraid I won't honor her. And she's afraid that our culture won't honor her and my siblings won't honor her. And she wasn't hiding it. She wasn't being mean. She wasn't any of that. But she was leaking some of that, like, hey, this is what I'm concerned about as I grow older. There was talk of how to wrap up life and this. And we went and saw some of my relatives, some of my aunts, who I haven't lived there in 20 years, so they look a bit older. They look good, but 20 years looks like 20 years, right? And their concerns are about, like, very end of life and funerals and 
these kinds of things. And I want to speed past that. I don't want to think about that. But as I'm trying to honor them, then you go to have those conversations that aren't really fun conversations. And I'm not saying we just talk funeral all the time. But the concern on the heart of our fathers and mothers need to be our concern. That's part of honoring them. And the stories in the lives of our fathers and mothers get to be our stories. And the faithfulness that God has shown to our fathers and mothers gets to be the faithfulness that we know as well. Because your faith was not built just on your own as an individual. Your faith is a story that is woven throughout this community, communities you've been a part of before, your family. Even even if they don't yet know Christ, there are ways that you can hear God's invitation into the lives of your family members and recognize how recklessly God pursues the people you come from. In my life, this is part of what honoring looks like. It means slowing down. I meant putting my phone away because I noticed I was checking it every three seconds. I meant not looking at a clock. I meant eating a lot of leftovers because that was easier. Some of those, I don't know what it means for you, but that's what it looked like in my life. But then we have this other situation. What about when a parent is not honorable? My mom is worthy of honor. I have a great mother. I had a great father. There's another question. What, how do you, are you done when your parent no longer lives? No. I still get to honor my father, even though it's been 15 years. The, the, whether my dad voiced it or not, the best way to honor him is, is to live out the kingdom of God, loving on the people in my lives as a legacy of my father. But what about if your parent is not honorable? What do we do there? I'm not saying go fake it. I'm not go, saying if that person has been abusive that you should go sit at your kitchen table, let your guard down, and just endure more. That's not what I'm saying. But what do we actually do here? If that's your situation, I want to encourage you. The Psalms, they're rich in dealing with pain and emotion. And one of the ways that you can honor your father and mother is to process what happened with your father and mother. One of the best ways that you can honor them is to process it so that when you see them or when you think of them, your blood doesn't boil and your heart rate doesn't soar. That's a real tangible way to be able to know if you're healing on something. If someone walks in the room, do you instantly get alarmed? And if you do, you might need some space until you can heal. It's not helpful to constantly be alarmed, to be triggered. But then once you have that space, it's time to heal. If you need a guide, the Psalms are there. Counselors are there. There are spiritual directors who can guide in these ways. This is, this is part of our act of worship. This is part of our faithfulness. This is part of our discipleship, is to heal. Part of that happens when we pray. Pray for your parents. And pray for you in light of your parents. If, if your father made it so that when we sing good, good father, you just can't believe it's true, then I encourage you to pray for your dad. And when that's painful, sit a little bit longer. And then pray for your response to your dad. 
And I know this is hard. But we weren't told it would be easy, right? We're told it would be worthwhile, that it would be fruitful. And this is part of how fruit is grown. You see, the question that I get asked about this is, is, real honest, I've had this question, honor your father and mother, is that only for people who had good fathers and mothers? Do I just have a pass if I had a bad dad or a bad mom? Honestly, as hard as this is, I would say no. You don't. Again, that doesn't mean you sit at the kitchen table with them. But it also doesn't mean that you just look at and start asking, what is the least amount required of me? That's not a faithful response. A faithful response is in worship, ask how God is inviting you to honor your father and mother. And trust the Holy Spirit to guide you in what it looks like for you to honor your father and mother. Again, if you're, I know in this, in this church we've had a lot of parents pass over the last couple of years. I know from my experience anyway, I had to learn a whole different type of honoring my father's memory, which is very different than honoring him when he was alive. And the way that I thought about him and the way that I talked about him. Honoring doesn't mean make a, make a hero who is untouchable and forgetting certain things. Honoring is, is some real soul work. It's more than remembering birthdays and Father's Day and Mother's Day. It's some soul work where you recognize the image of God and the imprint of that person on your life. So a verse that we have from Paul that isn't directly on honoring your father and mother but can be kind of a guide for us is in Romans 12. And there's a lot contextually. I want to encourage you to read the whole chapter, but I'm just pulling out one verse. It says, if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is just the baseline for us. When it comes to honor your father and mother, for your part, as much as possible, with as much that weighs on you, you can't carry the other person's role, you can't carry their responsibility, but with your responsibility, as much as you can, live at peace. Live at peace. So that memory that you can't get past, process that some places. And if it's active and alive in you, then maybe get some physical space so you can heal. But live at peace. Let people be. And as we let people be, the Holy Spirit heals. Now again, I'm not saying sweep things under the rug. I'm not saying any of that. But we're told, honor your father and mother. Now, now if we go back to that text, Exodus 20. You remember like last week, there was like five words, right? Don't murder. There's a lot like that. But here in Exodus 20, there's a promise attached. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land that your Lord your God is giving you. So picture that three, four generation house. And even picture that there's some pain. But you're, you're choosing the generation or two ahead of you to live at peace with them. And you're doing the work to reconcile. And you're taking space when you need space, but you're, you're doing the work. What this is saying is your children see that. And so when it's your turn to be the one who isn't producing the way that you are now, 
the legacy of your family is just okay. We take care of each other. This is what's normal in the culture that God created. This is what's typical. So we've, we've got some interesting situations to think through, and I don't have answers, but they are worth thinking through. We have... Uh, we don't necessarily have three, four generations living in the same place. That's not necessarily how we do it in our culture. And I'm not saying it has to be. I'm not saying that it means that you have to have your grandparents and your parents move in with you. I'm asking, what does it look like to honor them? If they're in assisted living or a residential facility that's for them and they play bingo a lot and that kind of stuff, do they have what they need? Are you still actively involved in their life, or are you just leaving that to the people who are hired to be in their life? You know what I mean? These are some spaces that we can, like, pray through, seek God in. But we got to remember that this whole Ten Commandments is not given just to us as families. This is for a society. So in our society, what does this look like to honor your father and mother? Truth is, we worship youth. That's what we do. I love sports. The most popular sports people that people get excited about are the prospects who may someday be good. And then as, as they get older and have a good career, we kind of want them to retire and make room for a prospect. In music and everything, we love youth. It's good to love youth. It's bad to idolize anybody. It's good to love youth. But what this is saying is that that's turned around. We're to really honor and, and allow the voices of the fathers and mothers of our community to carry weight. The stories of the fathers and mothers in our community to carry weight. And so how do we do this? We're a church. We're this bigger family connected to this community right here. And if we look right there, there's a lot of the fathers and mothers of our community who live right there. Yeah. A lot of them. You hang out with Pastor Jamel and I outside on the, at the donut shop. That's where you get this figure. <laughs> they are walking and rolling by all day. If you say hi, you are gifted a 25-minute conversation. But here's what happens. Then we don't say hi because we don't have 25 minutes. But you know why they need 25 minutes? Because we don't ever have time to say hi. We had somebody from there come in here one Sunday, ask for help from me on something mechanical. I giggled, gave no help. 15 minutes later, just listened. 15 minutes later, we were crying together because somebody stopped. And this person kept having to invent reasons to get attention. And to listen to a story, we don't ever stop, so maybe you'll help me fix something. How are we going to be salt and light by honoring the fathers and mothers in this community? So last year, I wanted to say, hey, come out to our Bible study on Wednesdays. It's right in here. And I had probably eight of our neighbors say, thank you for the invite. We will not come. It's dark. I'm scared of the dark. I'm scared of being out in the dark. I said, I'll walk down. No, I'm scared to be out in the dark. Why would I ask them to do something they're afraid of? That's not very honoring. So I'm going to give you a time to practice. I realize a lot of us work during the day. 
But if you don't or you have some time off, we're going to start practicing caring for the fathers and mothers in this community. We've done some things already. We've taken people for groceries. We're going to do something real simple. On August 28th, from 12 to 3, we're going to unlock the door. That's what we're going to do. Turn the grill on. Put some tables out with some dominoes and some cards. The white people will play hearts. Black people will play spades. I'll try to play spades. Nobody will trust me. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen on the 28th from 12 to 3. Come and watch, but this is prophetic. If you've got time, come help out. I'll be here early turning on the grill or making a grill or something. People will know. We're going to tell them this week, word travels fast around here. We'll have people in here. If you can help in the morning, help me set up. If you can't be here till 4, come at 4. People don't leave on time. We'll need help cleaning up. And the point isn't that we change that place. The point is that we change this place. The point isn't that they desperately need us. The point is that God says we desperately need them. And somehow we've lost sight of that. So maybe this could be one of the ways that we as a church can start to like repair relationships generationally. Maybe this is one of the ways that we can say, hey, how, yes, we want to care for our youth. We want to care for college students. We want to be diverse in generations, but, but we want to know your story. And we want to understand your story. And we want to love on you well, because well, God said that that's essential for society, and he's a good, good father. And so mark, mark your calendar. If you can be here, be here. If you can't, please put in your phone right now the time and pray for us. I'm serious. Pull out your phone. It's okay. Put in your phone a reminder to be praying for us on this day. If you want to be involved somewhat, drop off a case of water or, or you know, text me later and ask how it went. But we'll do more of these. We'll kind of find out what they need and what they would like. I'm making some assumptions here. But in the few fathers and mothers in our community that I've asked, they said, well, this, this will be great. And so we're just going to start here. Does that work? Okay. Well, somebody in our community uh, sent me a text. Uh, it was super encouraging. And then part of it was like, Matt, have you listened to the John Lennon song, Imagine, in a while? And so this last week, I was on the airplane, so I listened to Imagine like a thousand times, different versions, and everybody covers that thing, everyone but Jamel. Jamel hasn't come out with a cover of it yet. And then I started reading about it, and John, uh, John Lennon had some critiques that he was offering no solution, that he was <laughs> communist, all this kind of stuff. But what I found so interesting in listening to this song is he said some of the things that we've been talking about. He just could not imagine God being a part of it. The imagination was, what if we took care of each other? But like, there, you know, there can't be heaven because hell's attached. And honestly, in a lot of the people that I talk to, there's almost an assumption that the reason for heaven is to have hell. You know, 
to have somewhere where we can punish somebody. Can't be religions because we're, we're just going to fight. Can't be God, all of this kind of stuff. But as I was listening to that song, I was thinking, I don't know that we know how good God is and how good God intends for us. And that's what this 10 weeks has been. Pastor Jamel started the series in Exodus 20, verse 2, where it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and now is providing manna every day and water in a wilderness and direction and protection and all of this and instruction on how to live into this freedom. This is what we looked at. He paints this picture of a society where there are no other gods because you don't need any other gods. He's sufficient. Where there's no images or idols because you are the image. You are the image of of God. You have the imprint of God. So why make an, an image of a tinier God when we can look at one another and be reminded of how good and how big and vast God is? Where you don't need to steal, but you don't need to hoard. We're not speaking and bringing death on one another, and we're not stealing life from one another. And as he paints this picture of the society, that as you age, you're safe from neglect. Because isn't that part of our fear? Isn't part of our fear that other people are going to die or move on, and we're going to be forgotten and neglected? No, God says, no, you are my daughter and my son, no matter your age. And as I set my society as I set my people, my culture, they will honor you. And we broke this time and again. Both zoomed into our personal lives and as a culture. But Jesus came. Jesus took care of the consequences for me breaking it, for you breaking it, for us collectively breaking this. He sent the Holy Spirit to live within us. The Holy Spirit's living in you in power to do the very things that he set up from the beginning, right? And so now we get to live as people filled with his spirit, filled with his life, and celebrate that he is not finished yet. That this society, though we have missed on it, we can have it be our aim again. That we can have this be the direction that we go. And so in a moment, we're going to receive communion. And communion is a celebration and recognition of, of Jesus' sacrifice. Of the fact that Jesus gave his life so that we might have life and be filled with his life. And so you're going to be invited to all kind of collide at one table because we are one in the body of Christ. And you can grab a piece of bread, whether it be gluten-free or regular bread, and you grab that piece of bread, which represents Christ's body, and you grab a, a cup of juice, which represents his blood, And Jesus said to take and eat this and drink this, remembering his sacrifice, remembering that his spirit now fills all who believe. So we can go out and do the very things he's invited us to do from the beginning. That we can search in our heart and pray and he can heal in ways that we never even asked or imagined before. So this is the gift and the promise to all who believe. But I don't want to assume everybody believes. Maybe somebody walked in and you're like, hey, I, I don't know where I'm at with this stuff, but if that's really what God intended, I, I'm interested in that. 
And so we're going to have a couple people in the corners here who'd love to talk with you and pray with you. But as we, as we close up this time of corporate worship and Scooby and the team come forward and lead us in a song, I want to invite you to just spend a, a minute here. And if there's a way that you need prayer, either because you don't yet have a faith or, or you need help on this wrestling with honoring your father and mother, go ahead and come forward and pray with one of our counselors. Um, you guys can come forward. And... Uh, and then let, we'll receive communion and, and celebrate together God's faithfulness, celebrate what he's done over the last 10 weeks. Deal? All right, let's, let's pray.